The scripture this morning is out of Luke, <clears throat> chapter 9, 28 through 43. Now about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Just as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus found, was found alone. And they kept silent, and in those days told the no one any of the things they had seen. On the next day, when they came down from the mountain, a great cr crowd met him. Just then a man from the crowd shouted, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son. He is my only child. Suddenly a spirit seizes him, and all at once he shrieks. It convulses him until he foams at the mouth. It mauls him and will scarcely leave him. I begged your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. Jesus answered, You faithless and perverse generation, how much longer must I be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. While he was coming, the demon dashed him to the ground in convulsions, but Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, healed the boy, and gave him back to his father. And all were astounded at the greatness of God. The word of God for the people of God. Be to God. Today's scripture brings us the story of the transfiguration, the moment when Jesus' true identity is revealed to his closest companions. For most of chapter 9, Jesus had been trying to get his disciples to truly understand who he is. Just before Jesus and the three go up to the mountain, Jesus had asked Peter who the people say he is and who Peter thought he was. For some time now, Jesus had been trying to get his disciples to understand that he was not going to be around forever. In fact, the time when he would be leaving was getting closer and closer. On the night that Jesus and Peter, James and John went up up on the mountain to pray, something miraculous happened. Moses and Elijah appeared on the mountain and began to speak with Jesus. The implications of this are steeped in Jewish tradition. Much like Moses' face lit up after he had been in conversation with God, Jesus was illuminated. His whole body emitting a bright light, his clothes turned dark turned from darker to stark and sparkling. Moses, a reminder of the exodus from Egypt, 
and Elijah, the prophet expected to return in the end times, spoke with Jesus about what was ahead of him in Jerusalem. Jesus, standing with Moses and Elijah, ties the promise of Hebrew scriptures in their, to their current culture. The exodus and the end, together on the mountaintop with the Son of God, discussing his imminent departure from this world. There are some verses and passages in scripture that are hard to point out exactly where we might see God. Oftentimes, in the harshness of the situation or even the subtleties of a parable, it takes a few times through the passage to finally understand where we can find God. This, however, is not one of those passages. God is absolutely everywhere in these words. Not only is God present through Jesus and through the appearance of Moses and Elijah, two men that by that point had been dead for quite some time, but God actually spoke to Peter, James, and John. Through a cloud, a voice from heaven, much like the voice heard at Jesus' baptism, tells the men who are standing there, this is the Son of God, and they must listen to him. God had to become so obvious because the point of Jesus' ministry was being missed by those who were listening, including the inner circle of, of disciples. The disciples, especially these inner three, had been hearing for weeks and months from Jesus what his position on earth was. They had been hearing him from him what was coming. They had heard over and over that he would not be with them forever, and yet... They weren't really listening. They believed they heard and understood every word, but they were not getting the point, not getting the weight of the situation they found themselves in with this man. In order to truly drive the point home, Jesus appeared surrounded by bright light with bright white sparkling clothes. The glory of Jesus literally shines through this story as his divinity is illuminated and highlighted. And Peter, James, and John almost missed it. They were missing the message of Jesus' proclamation of his suffering, death, and resurrection, just as they almost missed this miraculous show on the mountain because they were sleepy. But the importance of God's message to the men on top of the mountain was not only in the revelation of Jesus Christ as the Son of God, but that the men were told to listen to him. Listen to him. Of all the things God could have said to the men on that mountain, they were up there alone. They were going to stay the night. They were surrounded by Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. God could have gone on and given quite a lesson but all God needed to say is all we need to hear. Listen to him. Something worth mentioning about this passage is Peter's reaction when he sees Moses and Elijah on the mountaintop with Jesus. His first reaction is to build dwellings for the three men so that they would have somewhere to stay. This idea, The idea behind that stems from something that was celebrated in Jesus' time called the Festival of the Tabernacle. 
The festival was in remembrance of the exodus from Egypt. As the Jews were in the desert, every so often they would stop and a tabernacle would be built around the ark that, there was, that they believed housed God. Peter wanted to make a holy place on the mountain, a place to hold some permanence for the three holy men. Peter wanted to hold on to the tradition of the past to keep Jesus, Moses, and Elijah where they were. We have a tendency to want to stay put. Our first reaction to a lot of things is not to move and not to allow change. Like Peter, we want to keep what we know and love in a dwelling place so that it can never move. Jesus' encounter on the mountaintop with Moses and Elijah reminds us that we have to keep moving forward. The holy men spoke about what was coming and that nothing could stop it and that it had to happen. Staying still and staying put in our traditions is like building dwelling places, trying to keep Jesus where only we can find them, to keep him from fulfilling the mission he has for each of us. What we learn through the transfiguration is that Jesus is very clear about his mission, which is to continue the redemptive work of God that started with Moses to the very end of times with Elijah. The transfiguration of Jesus gives us a look into what is possible, not just for Christ or for Christians, but for all humanity. And it is not just the transfiguration that happens on high, but what happens with the disciples after Jesus comes down from the mountain. Jesus has a reaction that is not unique to this passage, but is not something that happens very often. He is incensed by his disciples and their inability to cure a child of an unclean spirit. He had been teaching and teaching, giving the disciples the tools they needed to do the work after he was gone, and they could not even cast out a demon from a small child. He calls them faithless and disobedient, asking why he has to do everything himself and why they were not listening to him. He had been teaching them and teaching them, and he was not going to be with them much longer. There's a story told in a book called Breathing Space, A Spiritual Journey in the South Bronx by Heidi Newmark. She was the pastor of a church appropriately named Transfiguration Lutheran Church in the Bronx for almost 20 years. When she first arrived, the church and the community were struggling Poverty and many other issues plagued the community, and the church kept its doors shut tight to the world around it. Finally, after some time, the church decided to unclench a little and open its doors to the community to meet the people where they were and see what they could do to help. In those moments, that congregation experienced the transfiguration a change that ensured they would never be the same, a change that allowed the majesty and divinity of Jesus Christ to shine through them. <clears throat> Spirituality is not something that is meant to be a private experience, but one that gives us a glimpse into the unimaginable. 
What do you suppose Jesus is going to say to us when he returns to earth? He has left us instruction. He has left us lessons on faithfulness, and yet time after time we ignore his teachings. Time after time we do not do as God commanded us from the mountaintop. We do not listen to Jesus. We must listen to him. And what does Jesus say? Jesus told us that the greatest commandment was to love God with all of our hearts, minds, strength, and soul, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. All of the laws of the prophets come after love of God and love of neighbor. All of the laws of the prophets mean nothing without love of God and love of neighbor. When Jesus comes down from the mountaintop, what is he going to find? What have we been doing? What is he going to say? Are we going to be able to tell him that we were listening, that we are a faithful people who have been following his examples and his teachings? Or will he find that we have built dwelling places right where we stand, keeping Jesus in one place and keeping him from completing his mission? I suppose time will tell. Amen.